0: In Jeremiah 12:5, God challenges Jeremiah, If you have run with men and they have tired you out, how will you compete with horses? God offers you a similar challenge to live a life of biblical discipleship and to build a healthy marriage and a godly family. He never promises it will be easy, but it will always be worth it. Are you ready to run with horses? Hello, this is Norman, and welcome to Run With Horses. Hopefully you're having a great day. It is a beautiful summer day in Wisconsin, where I'm at right now. And today we have a topic that I think is really important and hopefully helpful to you. You know, often we look at our life and we see things that we wish were different. And one of the things we wish was different is often our weaknesses. So the question of the day is, how do you face your weaknesses? What do you do about them? You know, weaknesses, everybody has them. Nobody likes them in themselves, and we don't really like them in other people either. But there they are. They're just waiting to embarrass us and make us feel guilty all over again, all of our past failures, mistakes, and sins. So weaknesses come in all flavors, mental, physical, emotional, moral. All of us have varying different kinds and degrees of limitations and weaknesses, and they often express themselves as sin. So for most of our weaknesses— we either learn to work around them like a physical limitation, a handicap. In some way, we try to use a crutch or a wheelchair, maybe that's emotionally or mentally, to shore up that area that's weak. Uh, maybe we go to school to learn more, to to apply ourselves in a way that can uh, shore up this weakness that we have. But for a Christian, really, our moral and spiritual limitations are the most critical because they have very clear, distinct eternal ramifications. And it's not that the other limitations don't have eternal uh, consequences, but the spiritual limitations are directly related to our relationship with the God and His church, and they very clearly directly impact our uh, eternity and our significance in the here and now as well. So we're going to focus primarily on our spiritual weaknesses today, particularly the weaknesses that lead to sin. So I would like to just clarify that and maybe Delve into that a little bit. Many of our spiritual weaknesses come from unaddressed sin in our lives. Not necessarily true all the time, but many of our spiritual weaknesses, the places where we feel like my spiritual life is just not what it could be or not what it should be, it often comes from sin that hasn't been dealt with or not dealt with completely or not dealt with properly. So, you know, you can call unforgiveness a weakness and say, I'm just, I'm not good at forgiving people. I have trouble holding on to, to um, a grudge and things like that. Well, if you leave it that way, you may want to shrug it off and treat it like a, you know, a bad knee that keeps you from playing basketball. No need to address it, just to acknowledge that it's there. I have a bad knee and I can't play. I, you know, I'm, I have this struggle with uh, pride. <laughs> so I, it's just there and I have to deal with it. But as a follower of Jesus, anything that hinders us from pursuing Him with our whole heart is a problem. So, unforgiveness, pride, all these things are suddenly a big deal. It isn't just a little thing, but it's a massive stumbling block that threatens both our unity with the church and our fellowship with God. If it's sin, it must be addressed as sin. So, I'm sure that many, if not most of you, will agree with that to some degree and already make a regular practice of confessing and repenting of known sin in your life. And I think that's good. We should do that. The problem comes in with areas where we have a continual, consistent struggle. Some people would call it a besetting sin. We have areas in our life where we, we regularly are faced with this challenge and we fail. This weakness regularly shows up and leads to sin of some kind. So how do you address that weakness? Do you address it at all? Or do you just give up and say, I just can't do it. Right, pff, it's just who I am. Well, okay, I don't think that's the appropriate answer. So how do we deal with it? How should we deal with it? So my challenge for you today is don't accept defeat. Fight to the bitter end to be the person God is changing you into. You know, He has already promised to finish the work that He started in you. That's that's it right there. God has promised to finish that work. So you may say, well, I'm engaged in this battle. I just can't win. Okay, no, you can't. God has already promised that this victory is yours. You will be completed as He intends for you to be. So do you live in the moment, and the day, here and now, and just say, well, I'm less than God intends, but I'm just going to coast until God finishes and I'm not going to uh, apply any effort. And I, I think we always have this tension, and I probably don't do a good enough job of of really emphasizing this on the show. There's always this tension between God has promised to complete his work, and at the same time, he does ask us to be involved in it. He gives us a part of it to carry out, and I think Paul's challenges to Timothy, really what I go back to over and over again, obviously, God has chosen Timothy, and God is working in Timothy, and God will perfect Timothy at the same time. Paul knows this, and he talks to, like, the Corinthian church and calls them uh you know, part of God's family and believers and accepts them into the family at the same time acknowledging they're horrible. You know, the Corinthian church was terrible. There was amazing sin in the church that just should not have been there. But that sin did not keep them from being God's elect saints, he called them. So he recognized that in Timothy as well. God is doing his work in Timothy at the same time. Hey, Timothy, apply real effort to godliness, to righteousness. Apply effort so that others will see your progress. Don't just coast and say, well, God's going to do it in the end. Yeah, that's true, but God invites you to be part of the work he's doing, and he wants to use you as you go through life. This process that God uses to change you called sanctification, he gives you a part of that to, to, work, to work on, really, and it is through doing that, that you have greater ministry. When you acknowledge your weakness and rely on Him, you learn to trust Him more. Other people see that. That's part of your ministry, is recognizing your faults, recognizing your weaknesses, being public about those, and saying, hey, you know, I have this struggle and I need help. I think every leader would be a stronger leader if they were willing to say, yeah, you know what, I, I'm not what God is making me into yet. <laughs> I'm, work, I'm a work in progress, and I need the prayers of the church. I need the support of the church. I need mature uh, members of our church to help me be the person God wants me to be. So if you've accepted Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross on your behalf, through faith, God says he declares you righteous. That is amazing. He declares you righteous, and you can't work for that. I mean, Romans 4, 5 tells us uh, it's not to the one who works. It's to the one who has faith that righteousness is attributed to him. So, God works on your behalf. And that's why the battle is worth it, because you cannot lose this battle. You will not lose this battle. It is God's work. He has promised to complete it. So, if you know you won't lose it, you, you might lose this fight today, but you're not going to lose the war. Uh, God is using this fight, this weakness in your life, For a purpose. And and often that purpose is to build our reliance and trust in Him. So He uses your weakness to make you more like Jesus. And that's important to recognize. Romans 8 28, God uses everything for good, for ultimately to grow you to be the person He wants you to be. He wants you to go through this struggle. So struggle. (laughs) So fight. Fight to the bitter end. Having said that, what actually does the fight look like? How do you approach the spiritual weakness in your life that so often leads to sin? Well, one, kind of what we've been talking about already, embrace the truth that ultimate victory is yours. And this is key. This is your foundation. This is why you have hope. <laughs> hope is recognizing that God has done this and I can trust him. He will win this. God has never lost anyone yet and you won't be the first. So Philippians chapter one, um, verses three to six, Paul is, is talking about this idea. Thank God for you. Always praying for you. Why? One of the things is, verse 6, he's confident of what? Of this very thing, that he who began a woodwork in you will complete it. So embrace that truth and have that hope that Paul had. And have that hope for other people in your church. You are going to have people around you who are failing, just as bad or worse than you are. And they need you to express that hope to them. Hey, you know what? You fell down today, but I have absolute confidence that God will complete the work that he has begun in you. Having that truth as your solid core is part of what enables you to stand up every time you fall and get up again and say, hey, God, I lost this fight today, but I will not lose this war. And every time I get knocked down, I will get up in your strength. You are the one who wins the victory. It's not going to be my strength that does that. So embrace that truth. Ultimate victory is there, and God wants you to go through this struggle. How does he use that? Why does he use that? I don't know that we get all those answers in this lifetime, but God wants you to go through it. You know how I know? Because you have to go through it. So the second one is prioritize prayer. You know, we often maybe underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit and his ability to work when we have no strength left. You know, there comes to be a time in any serious battle where you get to the point where you go. I got nothing left. Well, repeat with Paul, when I am weak, then you are strong. A second Corinthians 12, 9, and 10 are verses that you should uh, commit to memory. And repeat those to yourself. Remind yourself of what God has to say and what Paul said. God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And you know what? It's sufficient for you too. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. So at your weakest, God has the potential to be his strongest. Trust him in that. And maybe then you can reach the point that Paul reached where he says, I can therefore take pleasure in my weakness, in my infirmities. So in, he says, in, repro- in reproaches and needs, persecution, distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So you're at your strongest when you rely on God. The most. So the next few points are all part of using all of the tools available that God has given you. So I think prayer is very, very key when we're considering our weaknesses and struggle with sin. But some of these next few points maybe are not quite as obvious to us, but I think they're equally important. Don't try to power your way through weakness. Let God work in you and through you. So do the things that give God greater access to your heart, to your mind. Uh, Allow God to work in you. Allow God to accomplish His perfect work in the middle of the struggle that He has you going through. So number three is use your mind. You know, one of the things that differentiates man from animals is our mind, our ability to reason, to be creative. Uh, It might sound trite, but spend time reading God's Word, meditating on it, memorizing All of that is part of the process, and it all engages your mind. You have to engage your mind. It's not the only thing. You can't just uh, read the Bible and memorize it and do nothing else and expect change. You have to actually uh, trust God, and you have to do some of the things that it says. You have to apply it in your life. But you do want to make sure you have that foundation. I'm consistently spending time reading and meditating and memorizing Scripture. One of the reasons that's so powerful, and this is just maybe even a side thing, because uh, the Holy Spirit uses scriptures in a way maybe we don't always understand. But that process of meditating on and memorizing scri- scripture, one of the things it does, it gives you a a thing to focus on that is outside of yourself, that is not the sin struggle directly. You're looking at God's word and you're looking for God. You're, you're meditating on the meaning of the scripture. And as you apply energy to that, you don't have the energy to spend worrying about the weakness, or the sin, or the temptation. You've given your mind something else, and we'll get to it in a minute, but it's that same idea of flee one thing and pursue something else. If you're fleeing temptation, you're fleeing weakness, you have to pursue something. You can't just say, I'm going to avoid temptation. Okay, it doesn't work that way. What are you going to do? Yes, we recognize the things we're not going to do, we also need to acknowledge the things we are going to do. So, use your mind. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. La. God's Word to be profitable in your life particularly when we think about our weaknesses for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness because I want to be righteous I want to be more like Christ and God's Word tells me how God's Word also works in uh, inside me and in my heart as the Holy Spirit takes that and applies it and changes me so use all the tools available and God's Word is a foundational super important basic one that we have to be engaged in on a daily basis, And part of what results in this is, verse 17 there in Second uh, Timothy three, that we will be complete, and that's part of our issue, not right? We're not complete. We're not perfect like Christ yet, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we'll come back to that in a minute. One of the things we have to be doing is looking outside ourselves. Too often, we're focused on our weakness and our sin and our struggle, and it's all about me, even though we say it's about God. God's on the throne, but I'm super concerned about my weakness. Okay, God's on the throne, and He wants to use you in somebody else's life. So part of using our mind is allowing God's Word to change us, and part of allowing God's Word to change us is allowing God's Word to flow through us and into somebody else. So you will be equipped for the good work that God has for you. As your mind is changed, as your mind focuses on... Uh, God and what he has to say. So number four is stay connected to God's family. And this is an easy one for us to to miss or to get away from. The church is so important in the life of a believer. Equally true, the church is a miserable bunch of losers who fail all the time and cause lots of trouble. Totally true. (laughs) If you have been to a church where you don't have any problems, I would like to... Know where your church is. If you could send me your church's uh, address, and I would love to visit it because I have never been to a church that is not perfect, that doesn't have uh, at least a little bit of gossip, a little bit of uh, tension between personalities, a little bit of pride. You know, there's all these, every sin that exists uh, exists in the church. It's just true because people are there. The church is made up of people who are not perfect. They're on the way, they may be forgiven, but they're not perfect. You can use that as an excuse to stay away from the church. But if you do that, you also miss the gifts that God has given the church that are there to lift you up. So even though we have this imperfect body, temporarily, the same way that God is perfecting you, he is perfecting his body, the bride of Christ, for his wedding day. But in the same way, uh, there's weakness there. There's weakness in the church, but there's purpose. There's meaning. It's true for you. It's true for the church. Uh, your church has gifts that you need. You have gifts that your church needs. Maybe some of the weaknesses in your church would be a little less weak if you were there to help encourage and motivate and challenge and equip and build up the members of your church. So First Thessalonians 5, 8 to 11 talks about putting on the breastplate of faith and love and helmet of, of salvation. And you know, it goes on, we... Verse 11 says, we comfort each other and we edify each other. You know, he's talking to the church in Thessalonica and said, hey, you're doing this, but keep doing it. Comfort one another, edify one another. There's always the acknowledgement in Paul's letters, we're not perfect. We have things we need to change, things we need to improve. But in the middle of that, as I'm struggling, as you're struggling, let me encourage you and comfort you. How do we do that? Well, one way is by that point number one, you can have hope that God will accomplish His work. You can have hope that this church, as terrible as it might be today, think of the church in Corinth, it will be the church God intends for it to be. There is no doubt. Now, it may be painful along the way, and it may be like rubbing salt in a a wound, but it's important, and it is this process of learning to get along with other people and learning to rely on God and learning to see other people with grace And having mercy. I think those two things are something that we can easily avoid. If you just stay away from people and ignore them, you don't have to have a lot of mercy and grace. But when you force yourself to be around them and look for ways to comfort and encourage and build up and love them, you're going to have to have a lot of mercy and a lot of grace. And you're going to require a lot too from other people because you're just as bad as they are. You have these weaknesses, you have the temptations, you have the sin. You are hard to get along with, no matter how good you think you are. There are people who really will struggle to be around you. So we need each other. We need to be building each other up, comforting each other. You have to be part of God's family. It's not a perfect family, but it is one that he dearly loves and died for. So some believer you know has the gift of encouragement. If you're not part of his family, you're going to miss that. Someone you know has the gift of wisdom and can give you practical pointers to help you see your way forward clearly through this trial temptation that you face. So you need support, and God has given the Holy Spirit and His church to support you through this life. Do not leave out this important uh, vehicle of God's mercy and grace in your life. Number five, physically do something different. You say, well, this is not so important. It's just, it's not a spiritual thing. No, it is. You are given uh, a body and the Bible tells us that our body is the temple of the living God. So treat it that way. I mean, eat right, exercise. If you've been super busy, get some extra rest. You know, go to bed early. Stress really does make you more susceptible to temptation and to sin. If you're a cow's potato, get out and get some exercise. In either case, uh, eat well, treat your body well. Uh, God has given you a certain level of, of health and I think your health affects your emotions. It, it affects your it affects you spiritually. So you need to treat your body in a way that recognizes it is the temple of living God. God has given you His Holy Spirit. He dwells within you. Understand that. Treat your body that way. And be intentional about using this gift that God's given you, whatever level of health that you have. It's all it's different for for all of us. Some of us run marathons. Some of us have trouble walking to the fridge. Okay, that's fine, whatever you have be a good steward of what you have. And that's really what this comes down to. One of the things you should think about, if you're really struggling with a weakness in your life and it's just really something like that's going nowhere, one of the things that, often can help you get through a sticking point is to get out and join people who are volunteering and serving in the community. Join a ministry in the church. That's something different that you haven't done before. Do something that's going to engage your mind and engage you physically in a different way. Often we get stuck and we just keep going over and rehashing the same thing over and over again. I have this weakness. I have this weakness. I keep failing. I keep failing. And just we recite that in our mind. I'm terrible. I just can't do this. And that's not helpful. (laughs) You can keep going over this rut and and dig it deeper and deeper and deeper. That does not help you get out of it. You know what helps you get out of it? Change. And the change partly is recognizing God is doing something. I want to trust God with this, which means I need to stop worrying about it myself and be obedient to the things that he said. God wants me to use my gifts. So I have a problem. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give that to God. I'm going to memorize scripture and I'm going to prayerfully submit that to God as, God, this is in your hands. And while you're working on it, I'm going to try to help somebody else. So get out physically and do something different that is going to help other people. Doing that often can unlock uh, some things in your life that you didn't know were there. You might receive new gifts as you serve in a way that's uncomfortable and you're like, hey, I've got, a, I've got some gifts here I didn't know I had. Oh, that can be really encouraging. Hey, God's working in me. God's using me. That is an awesome feeling to see and to know that God is working in you. So do something different physically when you're really struggling with a, a spiritual weakness. Um, and make sure that something that you're doing is not just... Uh, you know, I'm going to go to the ballpark instead of sitting home and watching the ball game. <laughs> do something really different that is pursuing godliness, righteousness, Christ-likeness, uh, the relationship with the church, ministry. Uh, do something that's recognizing the spiritual component of your life and giving this time and energy to God. Number six, pursue godliness and righteousness. So, I already mentioned 1 Timothy six, eleven, and 12. Uh, talk about... Paul and Timothy so talking about, flee temptation and pursue righteousness. Be active and intentional in your pursuit and never give up. So Paul tells Timothy in verse 11 there of chapter 6, But you flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you're also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So he's really encouraging Timothy There are things that you have to run away from. Recognize that in your life. There are many, many things that you desperately need to run from. They are bad for you. And they may be things that are not sin. You know, there are people that are uh, addicted to things like video games, and they're not addicted to bad video games. There are video games that no one should play. There are video games that are, I don't know that they're necessarily bad, but when they swallow up your time and your energy and your, your focus to a degree where you don't have anything left okay, that's bad. You might need to flee that. Now, some people are really into sports and they get into sports at the level where maybe you're a runner and I've been a runner. (laughs) You, You can run and you get to the point where a lot of your life is focused on maybe a big event. So you're focused on this big event and it takes so much of your life. That becomes a focus that is draining in other areas. It's taking energy and focus that needs to be given to God or to other people or to your church. Okay, you might need to flee that. You might need to do something different that's going to break that hold that that activity has on you, even if it's a good activity. Uh, it might be fishing. You know, it could be anything. Uh, there literally are any activity that you can imagine. There's a way for that to become so important in your life that it is a negative. And when that happens, you need to flee from it. For most of us, the things we really need to flee from are those, those weaknesses, the sin in life, the temptation, if you can learn to recognize those things, the temptations in your life, if you can recognize where are my big weaknesses and what are the temptations, what are the open doors that Satan uses to draw me into that? I want to flee those things. Maybe it's a location. So, you know, I've noticed I keep, when I, when I go to this place, I end up getting in trouble in this way. Okay, don't go to that place. <laughs> that would be part of fleeing temptation. If it's at all possible, it might not be. But for many of us, There are temptations that are attached to a location. Okay, don't go to that location. It might be that it's a person in your life, and that's when it's a little harder. Uh, If it's a family member, then it's really hard. But if it's not a family member, maybe it's a friend that you've had for a long time. I've had uh, people I've counseled before that they say, every time I'm around this person, they just bring me down, uh, and I end up just really struggling. But it's not somebody that has to be in their life. And I know it's hard for them to say, well, I, they're not a believer and I want to help them. Well, that's great, but it's it's possible that you are not the right person to help them if every time you're around them, you end up in sin or you end up uh, just depressed and discouraged. So acknowledge that at least right now, that person might not be best for you and you might not be the person to reach them. Because if every time you're around them, they influence you and you don't influence them, not working. So you might have to flee from that relationship and just Say, hey, look, I need to take a break from getting together, from talking to you. And try to do it without offending them. Try to leave the door open maybe for down the road when you're stronger and better able to deal with it. Understand some relationships probably need to be cut off for you. Trust that God will do the work in their heart. He will bring the person in their life. But if you're not able to handle it, don't let that drag you down. Number seven, the last one. Look for someone around you who needs help. You know, as... As a member of the body of Christ, God has given you gifts that the church needs. There, there are people who they, they struggle, they sin, they face temptation, they, they realize this is ongoing. So they let that temporary struggle keep them from ever serving anybody else. Don't let that happen. Philippians 2.4 says, Let each of you look out not for his own interest, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. So yes, you need to take care of yourself, but don't let the enemy remove you from the war. Your gifts are desperately needed. There are other people who are struggling just like you are, and we can help each other. We can bring hope. We can bring comfort. We can uh, edify. There are weaknesses that you have that maybe somebody else your church doesn't have, and you can work together to strengthen each other. Our struggles are real. Our weakness is real. But our God is great. If you know someone who needs this message, share it with them. Keep encouraging them. And no matter what you do, don't stop. Keep running. Thanks for joining us today. If you have a question we can address on the show or just want to send us a word of encouragement, send an email to talk at runwithhorses.net. That's T-A-L-K at runwithhorses.net. We look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, keep running.